Today, I'm so excited to have Lindsay Eldridge, owner of Big Mountain Barbell and Fit Bliss Fitness, here with me to talk shop about life and leadership. You have got to listen up because this lady has so much wisdom to share with us, and I'm just so excited to have her here. Not only does she own two thriving businesses, but she empowers women every day, practices what she preaches, is a nationally ranked fitness athlete. Oh, and by the way, she's a new mother. She's amazing and she's here with us. So let's jump in. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. I'm so excited to have Lindsay Eldridge with me today. Okay, so I want to say just a few things about Lindsay. I'm going to try and keep it to just a few things, and then I'm going to let her introduce herself. So first of all, I just have so much respect for Lindsay. So she's my strength and fitness coach. I want. I was like, okay, she's my strength coach she's my fitness coach nutrition like she is sometimes you're like my therapist (laughs) (laughs) and I've been working with her for what like four four or five years time now yeah and so I've really gotten to know her well in that time and let me just say that you know given my specialty as an eating disorder psychologist so in my life as a as a clinician I'm an eating disorder specialist, and so I'm really choosy when it comes to picking a fitness coach. And so I did a lot of research before choosing Lindsay. And the more I learned about her and talked to other professionals in the field, because I totally stalked her before (laughs) I hired her. So like I watched YouTube videos, and I read up on her, and I talked to other fitness coaches. Like I really called around and did a lot of research. So before I ever even talked to her, I was quite certain I would be in good hands because I could see, first of all, that she was very different from others in the fitness industry, which in my book was a really good thing. having worked in that industry who, you know, tend to peddle a lot of dangerous messages and make promises that are not sustainable. And Lindsay really is a breath of fresh air. And one of the things I really have loved about Lindsay is that she loves science and research and has actually taught me a lot about the science of nutrition and strength training. And of course, this has been personally really beneficial to me, but it's also really strengthened my clinical practice. And I use the things that she's taught me every single day in my professional practice. And so that's a little bit about her as a coach. But I also want to tell you about why I invited her to be on the podcast and why I think she has a lot of value to add to our focus of pursuing what matters. So first of all, this lady is killing it when it comes to life and leadership. She gets it. So she has clarity when it comes to purpose and mission in her businesses and in her life. And I have such respect for that. So I promise I'm gonna let her introduce herself, but I just want to quickly list some of her credentials. There are a lot of them, so I'm gonna go quick, that I thought could be particularly relevant for our conversation today. 
So she's the owner with her husband, Zach, of Big Mountain Barbell, which is really like the premier powerlifting gym in Utah. It's super cool. So if you're a powerlifter in Utah, you got to check it out. Or lifter. Or, or aspiring lifter. Yeah, yes. yes. If you want to lift, go it's, check us out. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. And she's also the owner with her best friend, Annika Cannon, of Fit Bliss Fitness, which is a... a incredible fitness company dedicated to empowering women and it's face-to-face it's online right you've got national clients it's (laughs) so they really do do it all so she's an entrepreneur obviously she's a first generation college student is that right and continues to provide a lot of support to her family of origin so she's really had to pave the way for her path which i think can be really difficult um, that's that's something that I can I can relate to in terms of some of those challenges, and I think sometimes it can be difficult to appreciate how challenging that can be, and I think it can really help to forge a lot of resilience and a lot of grit. She's a nationally ranked fitness athlete, so of course she understands sacrifice, the importance of having big goals, being able to grind day after day, delaying gratification, dealing with failure, putting yourself back in the arena again and again and again. She's a new mother and so is navigating even more. I'm really excited to hear how she's balancing all of this, especially with this huge transition. And of course, we want to hear a little bit about how all of that going. She's also just so wise. She gets it. So I love doing face-to-face workouts with her because we're always talking about life and leadership and business and all that sort of thing. And I want to know how she remains grounded and what helps her to stay steady with purpose. So, so, you know, those are just a few reasons (laughs) I thought it could be really great. So Introduce yourself. Well, I'm humbled by your introduction. I feel like what's left, I think I learned some things about myself there that you've been picking up on. No, but yes, yeah, so I'm Lindsay and I do do all of those things that Melissa listed off. But ultimately, I feel that the best introduction is just that I believe in empowering women through health and mindset. Love and it. of course, that looks different for everyone. You talked about powerlifting, lifting this sort of stuff. I definitely think that exercise and nutrition are empowering because they give us some clarity and just the long-term benefits of such. But um, ultimately, I just want to help women see their strength and help them feel their best, which has many different, it's hard to say I do this because I feel like it's different for every person, every project, every chapter, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I'd say that's the, that's the, that's my mission. Yeah, right? Like helping women be their best. Yes. And the details of what that looks like really varies depending on the woman. On their goals, on their starting point, even on their life. You may have a big picture goal and it may be like, well, with where you're at right now and everything else you're going through, these are the things that I think will actually be the most empowering at this time. Yeah. Because, for example, if someone was like, well, I want to do a bodybuilding competition, but they're also in school, raising Mm -hmm. a family, have all of this. Mm -hmm. It may be better to have a conversation of how can we really help you feel empowered and healthy in this chapter while maybe keeping this as a big picture goal. Right. Having those honest conversations and always helping them feel the best. Because if you're working towards a goal that's not a good fit at that time, that's actually not empowering. Yes. It's very discouraging. Yes. Which those can be kind of hard conversations. They can be, definitely. Because yeah. people are coming to you, I want to do this. And you're like, well, <laughs> I know you can, but let's talk about the why. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the path. Let's talk about the reality of your life right now. Yeah. And figure out where we Absolutely. really want to go and where we are. 
Okay, so tell me, let's let's just start from there. How do you have some of those difficult conversations, especially in the fitness industry where, you know, people are saying, I want to lose weight and pe- professionals in the fitness industry are like, I can, I can help you lose weight. Mm-hmm. I can help you do this. Even, even to the extent of maybe unrealistic expectations, expectations, goals, things that may not be empowering at all and you come in as a voice of wisdom (laughs) right so this is something that I've definitely got better at over the years in my early years as a trainer and as a coach Mm -hmm. I wanted those clients yeah I didn't have a big client base yet I didn't have as much experience and I think to some degree I fell into the trap of not feeling comfortable telling people the truth yeah. Um, and hoping that I could help them get there if we tried really, really hard. Yeah. And over the years with more and more experience, I realized, you know, there is there's just a reality of how long it takes to do certain things. And I got more and more comfortable, I think, as my business became a little more successful and I wasn't so desperate. Ultimately, I feel whether it's trying to take on build your business or trying to reach fitness goal, whatever we have, a lot of times we fall into this desperate mindset and that's where the problems occur. Yeah. And so I feel I was kind of in that space in the very mm-hmm. beginning because mm-hmm. I, let's say, was motivated but also desperate yeah, yeah. to build my client and ha- client base and have a successful business. And over time, I just learned that really being honest and direct, even if it wasn't what people wanted to hear, ultimately, I could have a better foundation in those relationships. So, yeah, some people were like, I want to lose 20 pounds in three months, for example. Yeah. And I'd have to say, that's not a realistic goal. This is more realistic trajectory of what you can expect. These are the reasons why this is the science behind it. If we were to lose these 20 pounds in three months, this is what may happen to your metabolism. You may lose muscle. You may develop an eating disorder, all of these different things. Mm -hmm. And I'd say 50% plus of the time people walk away and they go to another coach who will tell them what they want to hear. And initially when I was younger, that was kind of hard for me because it felt like rejection. It was feeling like that I wasn't a good coach. But then what ended up happening over time is that 50 or less percent who ended up saying we had a really honest foundation and we had a good understanding of where we were going. So those clients wind up being more long term clients. They have more respect for you because you have that trust of that open relationship. Yeah. So I definitely think in our industry, it is hard because all of the marketing, all of the messaging really plays to people's both vulnerabilities and desperation. All their fears. Exactly. And there's a big group of people who are still hoping that there's some magic thing that's going to get them where they want to go. Even if they really do know better because they've tried and failed before. It really is something that we are uncomfortable, whether it's with our body or where we're at. And we're so desperate to have it now that we keep kind of buying into the crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's a special kind of woman or man. I really work more with women, but it's a special Mm -hmm. kind of person who has that awareness and that maturity and just that willingness to be like, okay, I recognize that I can recognize and acknowledge that I want to achieve this in X amount of time, but I have enough experience and trust in my coach to realize that it's going to take a little longer and I'm willing to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, like, um, the truth is ultimately empowering, yes. right? Even if you don't want to hear the truth. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, and we've had, I've had people who I do one of these consultations with, I'm very open with, and they're like, well, I'm going to go with this coach over here because they said they can do this. Because they're telling me what I want to yeah, hear. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, go ahead, go do it. Yeah. And oftentimes they end up coming back later. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but they're like, 
some of the things you said were going to happen happened. Like now I'm having digestion issues Mm -hmm. or I'm like, I can't lose any weight, even though I'm eating really low calories. And there is a lot of science behind the actual changing of the body and the body composition. Exactly. Yeah. And if the pendulum swings both ways. So people go to these coaches who have really extreme measures Mm -hmm. and then it ends up causing some damage. Yeah. And I try to warn them. They don't really listen. They go with the extreme promises and come back and are like, okay, now I'm worse off. And I realize now they've learned the lesson. Now yeah. they're ready to be that person who's more self-aware and ready to like um, go on the longer road that will be more sustainable and actually get them there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and you you talk about, you know, developing, developing some of that trust and confidence mm-hmm. in your own in, in your own ability and in, in your own skills, right, with right. your business. So tell me tell me a little bit about your path. My path in business or path yeah. overall? Yeah, and life. Yeah, life and business. Like, I mean, did you always know you wanted to do this? So I definitely did not always know I wanted to do this. <laughs> Good, because I, <laughs> I don't – I think that's the exception, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah, tell me about so your path. So I actually – I went to – I went to college at Weber State University in Ogden, okay. and I had an I have an undergrad degree, which is a very interesting degree. It's called a Bachelor of Integrated Studies. Hmm. So most bachelor degrees, you do 40 credits in your area of emphasis um, outside of your general studies. In my degree, I did 20 credits in three different areas of emphasis. So rather than doing, say, 40 credits in communication, I did 20 credits in communication. I did 20 credits in English, and I did 20 credits in poli-sci. And then I also I had love a, that. I know. And then I have a minor <laughs> in legal studies. So it sounds like I was really like motivated and have this crazy degree. Honestly, I kept changing my major. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I kept changing my major. And then I got towards the end of my studies because I kind of I wanted to I was thinking I wanted to go to law school. I, 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 I was the editor in chief of my high school newspaper. And so I ended up in some of the communication classes because I was really into that. Yeah. And I always really loved to write. So I did some English and I was kind of all over the place. And towards the end of my fifth year, of, halfway through my fifth year of college, when I'm all <laughs> over my place, I discovered this Bachelor of Integrated Studies degree. And I'm like, oh, well, I have. 20 credits in all of these areas. I need to graduate. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I was able to kind of apply them. And at that time, I really was thinking that my next step would be law school. But I feel now looking back, the reason I felt that way was, A, I didn't know what I want. And I have a really close relationship with my grandpa, my father's dad. And at that time, I think that I thought that would make him really proud. Hmm. Because what else is, I mean, be a lawyer. Like, you know, I was 20 something years old. To me, that would be like the epitome of like success. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was interested in the Constitution. I was interested in civil rights. I was interested in all these things that it kind of just seemed like a natural segue to me. But then after being in college for so long, um, I was going to take a little bit of time off, like six months to a year. I was considering getting a job as a paralegal, kind of to get my feet wet, all of this sort of thing. And... You know, at the time I was dating my husband, Zach, who I'm married to now, Mm -hmm. and we actually broke up um, at this time. So I was actually fishing for a compliment once. We were like hanging out one (laughs) evening, you know, I'm like, I don't know if you really want to be with me, expecting him to like give me all these compliments. Of course I do. I was feeling insecure. But here we are both newly new college graduates. Knowing what I know now, I know we were so young. We had no idea what we wanted. And he had a really fair answer. He was like, 
you're right. I don't know what I want. I don't know if I want to get married. I don't know if I want to go live in a mud hut in Costa Rica. He literally said that. I was like, <laughs> I, love, I was like, which like, a if mud you know, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, totally. But at the time, here I am, this young woman, still kind of finding my confidence, and mm-hmm. it really hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to be in a relationship with someone, we had been dating for a couple of years, I want them to know, mm-hmm. even if they don't know anything else, I want them to know like I'm their person. Or that they want to be in a mud hut yeah, in Costa exactly. Rica with, with me. me. Exactly. <laughs> so kind of, we are on a tangent, but I will circle back. So um, we ended up breaking up and I was in Utah only because he was here and his family was here. My family was all back in Washington. Okay. And at the time, my family, my aunt and uncle, who I actually lived with in high school, um, they have a business that I ran uh, ran somewhat when I was in high school. And they were having some issues with their business. It was a coffee shop. They just needed help kind of with some management stuff. So I kind of put some of the other stuff on pause. and was like, I'm just going to go for this summer. I got an apartment with my brother, started managing the coffee shop, you know, doing whatever. And then as part of this breakup, I kind of was like, I'm going to do a fitness competition. Kind of like he broke up with me. It was like my revenge body thing, right? (laughs) And I'm not going to focus on him. I'm not going to focus on guys. I'm just going to like help my family out and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to train for this competition. And then, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then I hired a coach. And back to this good coach, bad coach thing. I I wasn't educated in the fitness industry and coaching at the time. So I just kind of knew someone at the gym who competed. They referred me to a coach. I hired them and I started doing a lot of their protocols. And because I am science minded and especially with my background and my degree, I knew how to research things. And in college, you know, I did a lot more of research on the legal side of things, but it's still really easy to apply that skill mm-hmm. to, yeah. to the other side. So my coach would have me do things and then I'd go read the research and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. For example, he had me on really low dietary fat. And I was having some negative side effects from it. And so I was Googling different things I was doing. I was going into the scholarly articles and trying to figure out why. And I found that there was a lot of research on dietary fat in women and why we needed more dietary fat. Um, The negative impact it can have on our hormones, on our mood, can make your hair start falling out. It can disrupt your menstrual cycle, all of these things. So I was bringing this information to him. And he was, <laughs> the coach was like, "You're reading. Yeah. You're reading well, what?" And he had this attitude of just do, eat your chicken. Yeah, he was like, "Do what I say." Like I was a problem client, right? Exactly. Because I kept bringing all these things to him. Then he's like, "I need you to do fasted cardio." And I worked at a, I managed that coffee shop, and I had to be to work at five in the morning. So he was wanting me to do fasted cardio first thing in the morning, which would have meant I had to wake up at like. 3.30 in the morning, which you do that anyways. Yeah, yeah. who does that? <laughs> I I wasn't doing that. For, also, I was in my early 20s, so a lot of times I was staying up a little later. Like, it wasn't totally. really reasonable. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, why am I doing fasted cardio? And he was telling me that that would give me better results. And then I was digging into the research, and I'm like, but I'm not really seeing anything substantial here. So a time and time again, I was his problem client. He really didn't <laughs> want to work with me at all. And But ultimately, it did get me interested in the science of not just competing and changing composition, but just the whole culture. Because in my studies, I was kind of shocked because I didn't realize so many things I believed about health and fitness to just be true truths. No question. They weren't true. Like totally wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like don't eat carbs at night. Like don't eat carbs at all. Like do a lot of cardio, do a lot of high rep work. If you want to change, like all of these Mm -hmm. things, as I started delving into the literature, more so just from a place of a, like trying to be sure I was doing the right thing with my coach. And then it kind of transitioned into more of just a general curiosity for me. Yeah. Because I was like, here I am, I'm working on this goal. 
like, how can I optimize things? Because yeah. that's always been kind of a part of my brain, right? Yeah. So I was trying to optimize things. And in the end, I fired my coach. I had, I did like have a successful first competition with them, but I just wasn't feeling that relationship. He felt very much like he was trying to dominate things rather than have a conversation with me. And ultimately I left him, but someone I was really close with at the time, my cousin stayed with him. Okay. And she went on to do a couple more competitions and she was doing things. And while she was doing them, I was like, I don't really feel good about this. This is what I found. But ultimately, I was just some girl who did one competition and her coach had a team of successful clients. <laughs> so as much as she respected me and we had a, a friendship, she wasn't really making any changes. She was just going with the plan. And it was successful for her. She went on and did a competition. She won the overall, which... If you aren't familiar with bodybuilding, you go to a show, there may be, you know, 300 people in your class, in your overall division, and you yeah. want to win the overall. So she won the overall, still really trusting him, even though on the outside, I was kind of just like nervously watching because yeah. I didn't feel like what she was doing was healthy. Yeah. And after her competition, she ended up having a lot of health problems. So she had digestion issues. She was having problems with her um her hormones. She ended up having to get on some hormone medication. She had to get a colonoscopy at one time because she was having such bad problems with her digestion. Um, following her competition season, she actually really rapidly gained 40 pounds, which is very common with these really restrictive diets. She looked great on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, so then that had a super, that had a major impact on her, just her confidence. Absolutely. Because here she had yeah. been training for six years, six to 12 months for these competitions, she was known as the fit girl Yeah, at the gym. Everyone thought she looked amazing. Friends she saw at parties, whatever. She was used to being this very, you know, and that's a hard thing about competitions, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother conversation is you start to kind of, um, you get validated by your external appearance and you get used to people always complimenting it. Yeah. That bot, the body image. Yes. Game. And cool. that's a whole, that's a whole different conversation. But anyways, yeah. so she was dealing with physical health problems, psychological health problems, all of these problems. And then I was mad. <laughs> then I was just mad. Cause here I cared about her. I tried to warn her. I tried to warn her coach mm -hmm. and I realized he didn't really care about any of this. He just wanted in his mind, she placed first overall. He could put that at the time, social media wasn't such a big thing, but yeah. he could put that on his Facebook page. He could tell other clients and it was successful. It was his right? reputation. And mm -hmm. I found in that, that particular part of the fitness industry, that that was the big thing that the end all be all was how many competitors could you have when not what happens to them after yeah. or what happens to them during. Mm -hmm. And that made me interested in coaching myself and kind of trying to apply the research that I was looking into. What I didn't know at the time is there was this like underground movement where there yeah. was a lot of other people and coaches, people who were even more. So what I do is I look at the research that scientists are doing. I don't consider myself an actual scientist because at this point I'm not doing the research. Yeah. But there were scientists who were starting to kind of develop this whole movement, mm -hmm. this science-based fitness movement that was underground. And I just kind of happened to pop out at the right time yeah. to kind of start learning from them. And there was... You know, there's all these places on the internet, forums at the time, because it was more in like, you know, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, so it was forums. things have changed. Yeah, yeah. forums were where the conversations exactly. were happening. Instagram wasn't even yeah. around yet. But anyways, 
So my path kind of was on accident. And over time, I was just posting things on like my Facebook. And I had friends who knew that I did a competition. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women were kind of asking me, like, can you help me with a workout? Can you help me with this? And because I was feeling excited about it, even though it wasn't my profession, I started kind of helping some of my friends out. But this passion. Yes. And I was getting really really into it. And then the more I was, then Instagram did become a thing. Yeah. And I started being more aware of... Um, all the different coaches who were out there, online coaches, and still this misinformation that just is rampant on the internet. Mm-hmm. In magazines too, I mean, that was the biggest thing. My whole knowledge base on fitness, nutrition, and diet came like from magazines, things my mom said when I was growing up. Oprah. I know, I'm thinking of like self magazine, yeah, shape. exactly. Yeah. Which if you look at any of those standardized diets in those magazines, they're always like 1,200 calories. <laughs> they're always very restrictive. Yep. Um, there's so much bad information out there. And anyways, even though I wasn't planning necessarily on becoming a coach at that time, I became very passionate about just like putting what I was learning out there as I was learning it and telling my friends and my girlfriends who I was helping out, I was like, here, do this. And so at this time, it'd been about a year, maybe a little bit more since I had graduated college, Mm -hmm. still hadn't applied to go to law school, still hadn't got a job as a paralegal, was kind of a little all over the place, just helping my family, living with my brother. Back in, back to the thing with Zach. Um, yeah, kinda, I was, I was going to say, yeah, where's Zach? Um, he actually, pretty soon after our breakup, started sending me, like, love letters and trying to get I in touch with love, me. Of course he did. And I was like, nope, I don't, you didn't, you didn't know my worth at the time. Like, I'm going to find someone who <laughs> listen, loves me. Listen to this empowered woman. <laughs> and now looking back, I was so young, so I'm so proud. Because I could have easily stayed in Utah because I was heartbroken. Yeah. I like, when yeah. we broke up, I was heartbroken. I got sent home from work three days in a row for crying at work. <laughs> but when he'd come over to like get his things from my house, I was like stone cold. Like, fine, you can leave. I don't need you. And he'd leave and I'd start bawling. But, but anyways, he started contacting me and ultimately our breakup was really good for both of us. He ended up going and becoming a wildland firefighter. That's right. After we broke up, I went and started training for these fitness competitions and causing all these problems. You channeled your emotional energy. (laughs) And anyhow, so I was in Washington, he was here. And after, I think it was actually more like six months after our breakup, we met up in Boise one time just to like, reconnect I agreed to meet up with him and I had been kind of trying to date other guys and honestly I was comparing them all to Zach of course you were I was like they'd be talking about something and in my mind I was like Zach would never talk about this and I was just (laughs) always comparing so I decided to meet up with him and eventually we got back together but we're dating long distance and then he was in Jackson Hole fighting wildland firefight or doing wildland firefighting and I ended up moving there with him and working for a summer so then I was doing cocktail waitressing um, and Jackson. So still not on any path, still just kind of training at the gym, yeah. researching for fun and in a beautiful up. place. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and honestly, I made a really good income there because it I was, was going to say it was yeah. Jackson. Yeah. So he was working really hard. I wasn't working that hard. I was having a lot of fun. But during that summer, which would have been the summer of 2012, I actually decided to get to officially become a coach and a trainer. So I got my NASM certification, which is just, I mean, one thing about the fitness industry is it's super under-regulated. Yeah. There's no one really paying attention to who, who has certifications, what certifications you have. There's no overarching entity that's making sure that people are legit. Um, so there's a ton of different certifications. Some are better than others. The NASM that I got, um, I think, is one of the most thorough, but even then... There's really no oversight. But anyhow, I got yeah. my NASM. I started actually taking on clients officially. 
Um, while I was in Jackson Hole, I had a couple of clients who was helping in the gym. And cool. some I was doing um, just online, like friends from Washington. And it wasn't still at that time, like, this is my path. It was more so like, I might as well make a little bit of income. So I'm going to become an official, like, certified yeah. coach and yeah. do this sort of thing. And, you know, after uh, after Jackson, we moved back to Utah. So I was back, back to where we were going to college and where Zach and I first started out. And I then did find like a powerlifting gym yeah. that I decided to start. Tra- well, actually I started at Gold's gym. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And I think like every trainer in Utah must start. There. I was there. I was like in the <laughs> training up at corporate and it was my first day on the floor and I don't want to like throw them their business under the bus, but the manager at the gym was very demeaning to me. He was like, mm. you're going to do well because you're really good looking and like these different things. And I was actually hired on as they wanted me because I did have a college degree and different things. They wanted me to be like a sales manager and a trainer. Mm. And he was a sales manager. So he was training me, but we were equals. And he would always, intro- he was just, he treated me very much like because I was cute, I would be okay at it. And like that I was beneath him, although we were really hired on at the same role. Yeah. Sounds and, like a bro. Yes, totally. <laughs> but this, that was okay. That was annoying. Yeah. I was like, that's annoying, but whatever. I can like prove myself. Yeah. But one time we were on the gym floor and he was like teaching me how to like train people. And we were working with a woman who was a little bit, she was working on her fitness goal. She wanted to lose some weight. So she yeah. was, you know, she was working on her goals, but yeah. he was talking to her and he had her like jog down somewhere and come back. And as she was jogging away from us, he was like, she's so out of shape. Mm. And he was like talking talking crap about this woman who we're supposed to be helping empowering and he didn't do it to her face but even that I was just like this doesn't feel right to me yeah so I ended up walking out and leaving and I contacted um their their people at the top who were doing like the corporate training and everything yeah and I was like you know what you were teaching in corporate I really believe I like I stand behind it but what's happening in the gym I don't feel is what you're teaching at corporate and I can't walk into work there with my head held high. Like, so I'm just going to like agree to just walk away. And I was very mindful because you have to sign a non-compete with Gold's Gym. Mm. So I didn't even want to go down that road because I just was like, this isn't a good fit anyways. And down the road, this could be a legal problem. So Mm -hmm. went to a powerlifting gym. And at the time I was relatively new to training powerlifting or training serious and weights. All everything Mm -hmm. I had done up until that point was very self-taught. So I met one of these other coaches who I was coaching clients there just a couple at the time and he was training a lot more and he was a power lifter and he like asked me like, how much can you squat? And I was like, like 225 or something, whatever it was at the time. And he's like, really? Like for your size, like that's really impressive. And I got under the bar to show him and did like this like quarter squat, which if you're not into powerlifting, this may not even mean anything to you. It means something to me. (laughs) But he's like, that's not a squat. Like, what are you doing? And he had me, like, really do what I was supposed to do, which is just getting, like, your hip crease down below your knee. Just It's not, like, your butt to your ankles. But yeah. It's a deeper. But anyways, that opened a whole new – I was humbled for sure, but that mm-hmm. opened a whole new area of study for me because then I started studying more. I had always been studying the nutrition side of things, and I kind of was really interested in the diet psychology. And being introduced to this new realm – I was really interested then in like more of the exercise science and the form. And then yeah. I kind of like delved in, delved into that, started working on that. And in the end, I still was kind of at this point doing 
all of this more as really a hobby that I was getting paid to do while I figured out my path, right? Yeah. My I, path was on the back isn't, burner. Isn't that great? Like, yeah. I'll do this while I figure out my path. Yeah. Th- that, and I didn't know the path was unfolding in front of me. And exactly I had no right. idea. That's exactly right. So as I'm working on figuring out my path on the side over here, I started getting more and more clients. And then I, like, couldn't no longer train at this gym because my clients, I needed more space. So I started training at another gym. And at the time, I was working as an independent contractor, where I was paying 33% of my income. And then I was just having so many clients. I was paying out so much. So my husband and I were like, well, we're paying this guy like $2,500 a month to use his gym space. We could have our own gym for $2,500 a month. And, and that's that's where it begins. <laughs> yeah. This shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, And that's, I believe, on one of the questions you sent over, like, so it was something like, if you knew then what you know now, it's like, I never would have been here. Like, yeah, I was going to say, it's probably better that you, you did don't. it. Yeah, because it ended up being way more expensive, way more time, way more challenging. But once you kind of take that leap and make any type of investment or commitment, you kind of just have to see it yeah. through. So yeah. Yeah. anyways, the whole reason we decided totally. to get another gym space was to save money because we felt we were being taken advantage of the other gym owner. <laughs> and now we know. Um So that was kind of this path that we didn't even intend because, you know, now here and I kind of mentioned this before we started this podcast, but um, my husband didn't even know what he really wanted to do either. He had just finished his wildland firefighting. He was kind of working on a couple of other projects. Mm -hmm. His degree was actually he was a college football player and his degree is in human performance management with a minor in nutrition and a minor in recreation, um, which is kind of forest service type stuff. But anyways, he had the degree to do it. He knows how to coach, but it was never something he was passionate about. It was more an easy degree for him while he was being a student athlete. Yeah. Um, So he's like, I don't know what I want. I'll help you open a gym. I'll coach with you until I figure it out. So Mm -hmm. I was lucky to have his support and we could kind of tag team it together. But things just kind of evolved through there because I had the gym and I haven't talked a lot about this, but on the other side of things, I had the online coaching company that I was getting off the ground at the same time. Mm -hmm. And all of it kind of came to fruition more so just by accident and by kind of just following the passions, following what I was interested in and then um, having people I know being curious about what I was doing and me wanting to share that information. And then, you know, I don't know. Now we're here. And now you're here. Now we're here. Kind of one step at a time. Yeah. I mean, in our gym, we have moved to a different facility now and it is, um, it's big for for a local gym. It's a big gym. And like, Awesome equipment. Yeah. It's it's so well equipped. And that's definitely been something that's happened over time, right? So our new gym is, well, it's new. We moved in 2017, but it's 11,000 square feet. And we do have all top of the line equipment. But our first gym was more like 4,000 square feet. And when we opened the doors, almost every piece of equipment was used hand-me-down equipment. <laughs> like, I actually remember one of my long longest clients I've ever had in Utah he came in and I apologized for the gym. And I wish I could go back now and talk to myself because I didn't realize yeah. how great of accomplishment it was at the time. But at the time I was like, sorry, we just have this like used treadmill and old bar. Like <laughs> this is all we have. And he was so sweet. And so like, no, it's great. And he's so proud of me. But yeah, um, to look at where we started to where we are now is pretty crazy. And there was no plan when we opened. Like by 2019, this is the goal. It just is kind of like, just keeping your head above water every day, taking mm-hmm. opportunities up as they yeah. come up. 
yeah. and learning lessons along the way because you do mess up a lot, right? You Definitely. know this. You mess Absolutely. up all the time. Absolutely. So but hopefully you just don't repeat the same mistakes yeah. over and over. Yeah, hopefully you learn the lessons exactly. as you as you keep going. So in addition to the gym, we always had I always had Fit Bliss, which was more of the online component. And mm-hmm. the, we, that's where we do our fitness or our like bodybuilding competitors and our online clients Mm -hmm. and all of that. But so they both have kind of been building alongside one another, but they actually are two separate entities. Yes. And neither one had a clear long-term plan in the beginning. So that's been something that's been kind of interesting is it's just every day, just kind of like seeing where we go. Yeah. So, so tell me, tell me about this. So your, your path is so, is so fascinating, right? It's so great. And what, may even have started out as, you know, a side hustle or just like, okay, a hobby, a hobby. I'm interested in this. Now you've got two really great businesses. So with where you're at now in both of these businesses, what's, what's the path forward from here? You know, because I think, especially when we think about small business owners, one of the big challenges is, you know, first, like the first few years is, okay, how do we just keep our head above water? Mm -hmm. Right. But then from there, it's kind of, where do you go from From here? here. What, what, where do you want to go from here? Do you have? So I'd say, I still many days feel like I'm just keeping my head above water. It often um, feels that way, doesn't but it? But I definitely think that I could be better about like continuing to like delegate and do different things so I could feel a little less like that. Yeah. Um, I know that some of our bigger picture goals for both, I know what some of our bigger picture goals are, but I still don't feel like it's like our long, long term. Like yeah. our gym actually that we have in Midbell, um, we don't own the building right now. So one of our biggest goals right now is to buy the building. Um, which actually my husband is doing a lot of that on the side cause he, he sells real estate and he's able to kind of help with some of the financials on that mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. but we would like to own that building so that business can continue to be more of a long-term investment for us. Because honestly, um, back to where we were trying to not pay that guy $2,500 cause we wanted to save money. Um, we didn't make any money at all for the first three to four years that we were in business. Yeah. We, we were losing money some months, just getting things up and off Absolutely. the ground. And so, Which no one on the outside ever thinks about. They're like, exactly. oh, they, they own their own business. business they're killing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> we always, in fact, our first couple of years with our gym, before we could open our gym, I was actually training in the gym and waiting tables at night. Yeah. And my husband was still doing the wildland firefighting. So we were doing all this these things because we needed a certain amount of money to just like make a down payment and to buy our used equipment. Yeah. And at the time our list was, we thought so big and we thought it was so much money. Cause I remember, I think we saved $30,000, which I'm not saying isn't like a lot of money, but to us at the time, it was like a million dollars Absolutely, because we had nothing. We were in our early twenties and we're like, <laughs> how are we going to come up with this? But yeah. So anyways, we, um, just got to the point where we even were making any income at all. And we have gotten to the point and it, it's kind of interesting with business for us. Anyways, we went from like not making anything. And then as things start increasing it, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a multiplier there. You just, you're able to start yeah. making some money. Once you make a little money, you're able to make more money because yeah. you have money to spend on investment or exactly. upgrading equipment yeah. or improving your product. Yeah. So yeah. that was huge for us. And so continuing just to get where we can, 
buy that building because right now we're renting so that every month we're throwing away money to rent, which would be more expensive than if we were paying on a loan. Yeah. Um, to, at which point would the goal would be just to continue improving whatever's inside of the gym. So we do a lot of powerlifting meets, although I definitely feel our gym sometimes has a reputation of being a really like hardcore gym for only like people who are super into if you're like, a serious yeah. powerlifter. But a goal of ours really always has been to be, yeah, maybe a world record powerlifter would train at our gym, but maybe his grandma would too. And we I want both it. people to feel really comfortable. It. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I know a lot of gyms, I feel like people kind of have this like machoism mm-hmm. and they're very like, you know, just not super inviting. Yeah. Very intense, yeah. intimidating. Uh-huh. And so people who are new to it or who are feeling a little insecure, it's not a super comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we want to continue building that. We do have power lifters, but we have everyday people. Yeah. We have people of all goals. So I think continuing to have the best equipment, but also to have a really positive community and just like feeling when people walk in the door. Is kind of big mountain barbell and then you know eventually paying off that building and then you know we're both self-employed so kind of just like a retirement plan that would be know? nice wouldn't it just to eventually be getting some income every month and own the building and that sort of thing yeah. so i definitely feel like that side of my businesses is a little bit more it takes care of itself a little bit more mm-hmm. we have some managers who are in there um, you know, I don't have a lot to do with the day to day anymore. Yeah. I do some meetings a couple times a month. I'm there in the gym, but a lot of the mundane tasks, we call our gym a free range gym because <laughs> it's kind of like, it's a 24 hour, hour access gym and people just kind of come in and do their thing. So I'd like to continue to see it get better. And for us to be in a smarter financial situation, not running the building. Yeah. But for fit bliss, that's one where we, I have a lot more, day-to-day work I mean I'm thinking about it all the time always trying to like that's your other baby yes exactly (laughs) and that's one that is a lot more we have a lot more of these more intimate relationships Mm -hmm. and um my clients in that side of the business I'm very close with them work very closely with the coaches and that's something that definitely is more of like the passion project for sure the gym became a place where I could train my clients Mm -hmm. and where we could invite other people to train and something that is just like well I want a good train gym to train at like it was a business thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where the Fit Bliss is more of a passion project. Cool. But with that, I feel over the years I've also become really aware of like how many clients can I personally work with and maintain a certain level of um, product, mental health for myself, and support for them. And mm-hmm. over the years, I've really pinpointed what that number is for me. Yeah. And I've brought in other coaches. We have a team of coaches now who I'm also aware of that number that I feel is very realistic, which to me, somewhere between 20 to 25 clients, I feel is realistic. And back to these other coaches, some of them carry hundreds of clients. Wow. And that's where they're just sending out the same workout, very yeah, formulaic. It's yeah. not really personalized. They kind of yeah. doctor it up and copy paste things in a nice way mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it seem a little more personalized. But so what we've really been working on at Fitbliss is trying to take a lot of our philosophy and a lot of our programming and kind of finding a way to package it in a way that is a little bit more of like something that they could just buy into knowing that it's not necessarily this like personalized experience, but for like a lower rate. Yeah. So instead of... So you of, got lots of different options. Yeah. So trying mm-hmm. to kind of, A, kind of create a little more passive income knowing 
I can't really take on more than 20 to 25 mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. But also reaching more people who maybe don't have it in their budget to spend 150 to $250 yeah. a month on their own personal fitness coach. Yeah. Because really the only people who can do that are people of a certain income, a certain background. And there's people of all walks of life who really could use some support and education. Absolutely. So that's something we've been working on a lot this last year is putting together um, these this other program, this other side of things where we can reach more women, but still have it be a positive and educational experience for them. Because we also didn't want to just do something that was for passive income to make money for us that didn't really help other people. So yeah. trying to take the things we're known for, which is really connecting, educating, and empowering, mm-hmm. and somehow putting it in some sort of program where we could do that with less of this interaction yeah. and while still having the community. So kind of a lot, but that's really what I'm focused on right now is continuing to take care of our people we're working with, but then also having a positive impact on a broader audience who maybe is still getting, who are still getting their information from a magazine yeah, or from a fitness influencer on Instagram, who's not putting out good information in all of these different areas, kind yeah. of trying to, for people who are looking for, for the information because they're out there and they don't know where to look. We want to become more of a resource for them. Absolutely. So tell me what, what are the biggest challenges for you in your leadership, right? Like when you think about, you know, when the days when you feel like you're just surviving. <laughs> I mean, I know that was what I was going to say. I was, I was like, it's so interesting because I know I'm a leader. Yeah. Because I lead people often, but I still don't necessarily like think I'm a leader. So you see how backwards that sometimes I'm like, I'm a leader, but I'm not a leader. You're totally a leader. Yeah. Um, So I'm not sure. I feel, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I feel one of the biggest challenges used to be for me as a leader is I would find people that I saw a lot of potential in, and then I would want to kind of help bring it out of them. And in the end, with all the different things I have on my plate and the different projects, the time thing, Um, I realized it wasn't really a good plan for my business or for my Mm -hmm. path right now. Maybe down the road, I hope down the road, um, I can do more of that kind of mentorship. But over the years, I've really learned it's really important for me to find other people that kind of naturally take on some of these leadership qualities, Mm -hmm. self-starters, people Mm -hmm. who kind of have those things that I would be looking for, but also kind of just get it. Yeah. Um, So I've spent less time over the last few years trying to pull it out of people and rather just have find these people who they're just exuding what I'm looking for and kind of putting them in a position Mm -hmm. where we can have these conversations. And I may be kind of leading a meeting, but where they're all still bringing really great things to the table and we can work as a team of leaders. Yeah. Versus me like trying. I used to take more of a role of wanting to be a leader and really help bring out all of these great things from other people, which I do really believe in. Mm -hmm. But as a startup company, I definitely have veered more over to looking for these people who already have it, where I'm not pulling anything out of them. They're giving it to me. Yeah. And I'm like, now what can I do with you? Where can I put you that best makes sense for our organization and for you? And that's been really helpful for us, Mm -hmm. I guess, is more so using my leadership to kind of manage other leaders so it can kind of trickle down to our clientele yeah. and to our business. And that's been probably the biggest lesson I've learned. And the challenge okay. was in the beginning trying to be like, well, why don't they, I just wanted people to naturally do what I would do, be more of a self-starter, go research this on their own. Yeah. Do things the way you would do yeah. it. Right? <laughs> and I kept seeing these people who I saw potential and 
you know, kind of part of my personality when I was younger too. I was kind of like this fixer person where I wanted to fix people, help people, mm-hmm. assist people, which I definitely still like to have that be part of my identity. But I think there's kind of a time and place for it. And I think for me right now in my business and my leadership in my business, it's more so finding the good people yeah, and um, helping them kind of excel at something they're already doing really great at. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it. absolutely. So, so right with Fitless Fitness, it's really your passion project, mm-hmm. right? And so you find, you find leaders who have this energy. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you convey the passion and the purpose and how do you make sure that that's conveyed with those you lead? You know, like how, how do you. How do you, how do you keep the doctrine pure? You know, like mm-hmm. how do you, I think that that's a really great question because convey, do you mean, how do I convey it to them or how do we as a team convey it to our audience? Yeah. Like, you know, so as you think about your coaches, mm-hmm. how do you make sure that, that, you know, the, the fit bliss philosophy is really. So I think one thing that's super interesting for us is almost all of my coaches, um, used to be my clients. Ah, that helps. So for like Annika, who's my business partner, she bought in a couple years in and we Mm -hmm. have became part, become partners. Um, Annika and Sam are kind of my right and left hand gals, kind of like you were introducing me to your office staff. And both of them were really early clients of mine who the program changed their life. And of course the program has evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. I worked mm-hmm. with Annika and Sam both, I think in 2012 and 2013. So, but for them, it had such a major impact on, and they're both had such a major impact on their life. And they're both kind of like me. They both have, um, they're both very well educated, but in different areas. Yeah. Um, Sam has a master's degree in education leadership. She was a teacher prior to working mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. She really is a natural teacher. She's very organized, very motivated, and also very empathetic. Yeah. She understands, she can kind of understand people and is just very compassionate, but also she's driven. Mm-hmm. Like when she actually was in her master's program, she was teaching, she was in a master's program, she was doing a competition prep. Like, so she's empathetic, but she also is like, but you got to do this, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Annika's background is a little bit different. Annika um, worked in the medical field and she was kind of on the treatment side of things. And she was feeling uninspired because she didn't really want to treat people. She wanted to kind of help. She wanted to be more on the preventative side. Mm-hmm. And anyways, they both, the philosophy changed their life and ultimately kind of changed their trajectory because they found their fit bliss, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to share it with other people. So... Outside of them being previous clients, I think the next thing is us just being really consistent with our messaging and our philosophy. Yeah. We've evolved over time, but that thing that changed their life, it's still the same thing we're offering. That clarity. That clarity. Yeah. And it is hard in this industry, in this day and age with social media and all of these other influencers and all this stuff mm-hmm. to stay consistent because it's not always what sells. It's not always yeah. the honest message that sells. But I think for them, because this thing that we're selling, quote unquote, changed their life, um, they can still speak from a really honest and true place about it and share it with other people and not feel like they're being manipulative or feeling like they're faking it. Like, I feel like when they're, again, I want to use quotes here, but like, quote unquote, selling it, they're speaking from their heart. Mm -hmm. And they're my two probably greatest leaders on my team. So between the three of us, the other people we're kind of managing, which almost all are past clients as well, Mm -hmm. honestly. 
Um, it's just really authentic for us and organic that it's what we believe in. It's what we do. It's what we've always done. And while we're always getting better, like we know it works because yeah. it's changed our lives. Yeah. So yeah, I feel it builds a really strong culture. Yeah, so definitely. It's great. Because it's not me. And we actually have brought people in who have somewhat different philosophies in the mm-hmm. past. And ultimately it didn't end up working out because okay. we know so we're so sure of like our messaging and what it is that like, like for example, not to like we had a coach at one time who was getting really into like the keto stuff. And she was kind of like, that became one of her platforms. She mm-hmm. started doing this other diet where she was eating like raw hamburger, which was like an experimental thing for her. <laughs> but for example, at that time, we were trying to be like, well, we want to be more open-minded. And right now keto is really trending. People are really into yeah. keto. So yeah. maybe it'd be good for our brand if we have this like funnel of like keto mm-hmm. for those people. So mm-hmm. if they come to us, we're like, yes, we can do keto. We can have someone And we tried you. it for some time, but ultimately it just didn't work. Cause we're like this, a big tenant of our brand is this flexibility and how, as long as you're giving your body the things science tells us it needs mm-hmm. from micronutrients, protein, fiber, that you really could use a variety of any foods to make that happen. Right. Keto becomes very restrictive. And a lot of times people who the reason it is trending is people are looking at it as being some sort of like magical tool. So anyhow, there was a period of time where we were kind of falling into that desperate mindset. Yeah. I was Scarcity. talking about her earlier yeah, yeah. that keto was trending. Some of our clients were wanting to try keto. So we kind of gave this person who I really love, love and respect as a person, but a little bit more of a platform. And there became a time where we had to have a hard conversation that was like, look, we want to keep you keep you here but like your messaging is no longer on brand and I do not want to be the type of like leader who's telling you you can say this you can't say this so either as your friend I want to encourage you to go off on your own and do your Mm -hmm. own thing Mm -hmm. or like to consider maybe like these are the things that we believe in and we need to keep our messaging here yeah so there have been times where we've strayed a little bit but we learned pretty quickly that it just didn't quite feel right and it was confusing for our people yeah it's yeah ultimately it's really confusing and you have to have integrity to your culture so I was trying to be open-minded and not be a control freak yeah And then in the end, I was like, well, there's something to be said for just staying really consistent with what we've always done. Yeah. Of course, like when we learn new things, even something as basic as like protein recommendations. Yeah. There was a research study done. I think it was in like 2014 where they found like that one time, one um, gram of protein for every pound of lean body mass Mm -hmm. um, would be the right recommendation. And then there was some further research that came out a few years later for people who were like dieting, like bodybuilders where really 1.2 grams would be more effective because they're at risk for muscle loss. So for years we were telling people this, this one gram and we realized like, well, now the research has changed. So we need to change. But at the end of the day, that's still in line with being research-based. It's yeah. just a small change. It's not like, now we're keto. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know? exactly. So being knowing when to change, but also knowing when not to change has been super important yeah. for us in terms of our branding and our message. Yeah, yeah, right. Like integrating new information that's still in consistent line. with And at with any time clarity. being open to being like, you know, we were wrong about this. But it's yeah. never the entire philosophy. Yeah. It might be bits, bits and pieces of it or things we've yeah. learned or different things like that. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. One last question for you. How do you balance life and leadership and motherhood? Because you're a new mom. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm <laughs> experienced enough yet to give the best information or the best, 
you know, tips. But for me, even before I had my baby, her name is Lucy. She's three months old. She's so sweet. She's so cute. Yes. Um, Even before I had her, while I was pregnant, I was kind of starting to try to make this transition because being, I'm 31 years old. So I did have my first child a little bit later than a lot of people. Um, But I have my sister-in-law, who's a little younger than me, has two sons. My business partner, Annika, has a son. Um, my, one of my brand managers, Sam, who I was talking about earlier, has a son. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to watch other mothers who I'm really close with and kind of see their challenges, their struggles. So I've been able to kind of be like, yeah. see what's working for Lindsay's them. Lindsay's very observant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've been able to kind of see what's working for them, what's not working for them. So um, outside of just like the business in my home, while I was pregnant and before I got pregnant, I had a lot of really honest conversations about what um, that relationship would look like for us and how we could both manage that those roles together. Because I could tell just by watching everyone who everyone was doing their own thing, everyone did different. And it wasn't any one example that I was like, I want to do this or not do this. I was just kind of taking <laughs> yeah, it all in. I've just seen this and it was yeah. a train wreck. But so. <laughs> I was more so like, I realized for us, because we are self-employed and my husband and I are very close. Um, we kind of have this like divide and conquer mindset. Yeah. And we always have, we have different skills. We have different personalities. So it's always kind of been dividing things up and playing to our strengths. And I realized that with parenting, to some degree, it would be kind of like that. But also that for me, I really needed him to be a really active participant in the parenting and not just like in an emotional sense, but in a literal time sense. So I knew that I needed us to be able to like for him to take care of the child, the child, Lucy, sometimes. Um, <laughs> it was theoretical, yes, though, before. Yes. I wanted us to be on the same page of like what my expectations were, because I knew that if I didn't communicate them, he wouldn't know. So he wouldn't be able to help me with that. And if I didn't, I also needed to know that he was okay with that. So we could know if for our relationship, having children was going to be a good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for us, communicating our boundaries, our expectations, and kind of coming up with a loose game plan that, of course, has evolved. Which, can I just say, I mean... Most couples don't have these conversations. Yeah, which I think is a challenge. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's like such a basic thing that most couples don't have, but it's a game changer. It really is. It's essential, and you, you kind of need to keep having these conversations. Exactly, and that's something that's been evolving. And even we just met with – we delivered with a midwife, and she actually gave us – we also got a family therapy card yeah. We were like, sometimes these conversations are getting harder when we're stressed out. So we, totally. we're open also. We haven't gone yet, but yeah. potentially doing some family yeah. counseling to help us yeah. manage these conversations. I think sometimes it's hard to have level-headed um, communication. We have a screaming baby in your hand, you know? <laughs> and you got hormones. Yeah. And, and, like, you guys run a business yeah. together. I mean, yeah. But wow. so I'd say, first of all, in my relationship with my husband, us communicating our expectations and boundaries. And even for me at the time, I was like, well, I do know that I still am going to want to like go to the gym and work out I still want to run my business like I still have this I know you want to do the same Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of agreeing like no matter what happens it's important for our our health and our our marriage that we still have our own personal identities and personal time and how can we make that work um so that was key but then secondly I think not just with balancing motherhood but balancing all things something that's been huge for me over the past few years 
is also clearly defining boundaries and expectations for our clients or people we're working with too. Uh I love it. So yeah, like years ago you take on a project or I don't know if you've been this way. Sometimes they still fall into this trap and you know that the person you're promising this to has a certain deadline they'd really like to meet. And maybe you're like thinking about it and like that might be possible if I work until 2 a.m. on Friday night and (laughs) if I don't do anything over the weekend and like if I'm completely uninterrupted and like I feel like when I was a younger entrepreneur, I would take these deadlines on and kind of just think like, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, like I can do it. I can do it. I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Or I might lose this potential opportunity or this potential client. A little bit of that scarcity mindset. Yes. And Uh over the years, I feel like it's been so key to kind of be like, I understand you want it by this date, but for me to get it done at the level which you like expect quality wise or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's going to take a week longer. Even if I know in my mind that still buys me a weekend yeah. and it means I only have to work until 6 p.m. Because you just learn over time. I definitely think it's a time and experience thing that you can't actually do that for very long. Yeah. And your relationships, your health, your business, something's going to start to suffer. So I've really learned just being like, it's going to take this much time or, you know, you're a client of mine. There's clear expectations. Mm -hmm. Like my clients check in with me every week. They have a deadline of when they have to send their check-ins and then I have 36 hours to get back to them. And it's really because my days are so up and down and crazy Mm -hmm. that I pretty much schedule things and my check-ins kind of fill in the gaps in between. But it used to be when I very first started that people checked in, it's like, you'll get feedback within two hours. Do you know how stressful that was? I also didn't have deadlines. So people were sending me like check-ins at all different times and I was trying to keep up and it gave me such anxiety. She's on call. Yes. (laughs) So over the years, I definitely think being realistic with ourselves and people we're working with on expectations and boundaries and not feeling bad about it. Yeah. Because I even feel Annika is amazing, but she gives everything to people. And she's one on the other side of things. I've gotten so good at being direct where I'm like more like, nope, I can't do that. That's not a realistic deadline. I can get this done in two weeks. And I don't even like hardly bat an eye over it anymore. She's still working on not feeling guilty because she's like, well, I could. I could have it done by this time. I could be superwoman (laughs) if I need to. (laughs) So I think that we're all kind of on our own path on figuring out what that looks like. Because we do want to take care of our people. We want to take care of our business. And we do care but kind of keeping in mind the longevity of yeah. these goals, these businesses, these plans. And yeah. communication, I think, is just huge. It's the key. Yeah. It's the key. And sometimes it's those conversations with ourselves to be able to say, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I need in place to do my best work? Exactly. I need a weekend. Exactly. I need to be done by 6 p.m., you know, and and getting to the point where you don't feel guilty about that. You don't apologize for that and really owning that. I mean, I know we had a conversation about like client rates mm-hmm. and like not apologizing for yeah, that and totally. being able to say this allows me to do my best work and to really show up exactly. well. And that that that's, can be really empowering for you, but it's also, it's great for your clients. Totally. I, I totally that. agree. So yeah, just honesty. It all is the same. It all circles back, right? That's yeah. where we started this conversation. Yeah. Like how do you compete? And it's just being honest, mm-hmm. having that good foundation in the relationship, having mutual respect. Yeah. And kind of bringing that to the table, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Like is key. Yeah. 
so great to to hear from you and to learn from you. So thank you yeah, so much. Thanks for having me. I know. Thanks so much for all that you do. Okay, so little Lucy's probably wondering where Lindsay <laughs> is. So we're so glad to to have Lindsay and for her taking some time to be with us today. So it was so great to hear more about her journey and experiences. So make sure you head to my website to check out the show notes with all the great resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash lucky number 13 one three again that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash one three and the other thing that i wanted to let you know Lindsay has a really great following on social media so one thing when you were taught you when you were talking about negotiating with your husband and talking about you know both of you being really active parents it just reminded me of one of your posts i think it was just maybe just a few weeks after Lucy was born. And I was just like, man, this this lady practices what she preaches because I think it was a post of like Zach with Lucy yeah. at the zoo. And then Lindsay was like overseeing a powerlifting yeah. me. And I was just like, oh, that just makes my heart happy. And like Zach had Lucy like in well, a carrier at the zoo. And, and- <laughs> I can tell him what I need, but I got to give him props for like meeting me and, and following yeah. through. You know, he's been yeah. amazing. I yeah. feel that that's been really really beautiful for yeah. me to kind of be a part of and have that yeah strong partner who gets it yeah it's awesome I feel the same way about Micah so it's a it's a pretty yeah. cool it's a pretty cool thing so but I think I think to your point like you got to be willing to have those conversations and yeah. ask her what you need and, and to revisit them yes because there were times after she was born that I could feel that I was starting to feel bitter where I totally. was feel like I'm doing a lot more, which I'm breastfeeding. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm like doing everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there were moments where I was starting to feel like like I was taking on more of the lo- workload than I felt that we had talked about. Yeah. And I was feeling bitter. And it was one of those moments where I'd been with her all day and she was crying and everything you was were just tired. Like chaos. Yeah. So we did have to come home and our first initial conversation wasn't as smooth. <laughs> um, but then the next day we were able to kind of like regroup and talk about it and both be heard and both kind of like yeah. more so we just needed um, to come up with a strategy Yeah. at the time. Like we hadn't communicated about it. He was thinking everything was fine. I was thinking he was clueless, <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, without telling someone exactly what you need, how are they yeah. supposed to know? Amen. That's exactly right. So you've you've got to check out Lindsay on social media because her posts are always so refreshing and genuine. You've really got to um, check her out. So if you want a breath of fresh air on social media, and who doesn't? We all we all need that. She's really got a fresh take, not only on the fitness industry, balancing life, navigating motherhood. It's really great. So check out the show notes on the website, and I will include the links to all of Lindsay's businesses. So we'll include the links to for Fit Fitless Fitness. You got to check that out. It's awesome. Of course, Big Mountain Barbell. And then of course, we'll include Lindsay's Instagram account. So, and I don't know, Lindsay, is there anything else you want to share about your businesses or social media or anything like that? There's not necessarily anything I want to share about my businesses. I was actually just kind of already like replaying everything we've talked about, right? Like, I love and it. Did we <laughs> did we say what we need to say? And I feel like we did talk a lot about my path and my like how I got here. But I really hope if any of you are out there and you are in a place where you are um, trying to find the truth 
in the fitness industry or trying to find just that balance or if you're feeling like whatever you're trying to work on in your health and fitness is something that's making you feel bad about yourself or feel discouraged, um, it just might not be the right path or the right plan that you're on now. And if you need a little bit of guidance, kind of getting you in a place that you can be productive and feel proud of yourself along the way, we really would love to help. Um, I don't feel like we really like touched on that so much, but I definitely think people are just using the wrong plan. So they're yeah. continually feeling like a failure. Yeah. So if you're feeling like a failure, maybe it's not the right plan. And just acknowledge that you can appreciate your body because it's amazing yeah. while also trying to take steps forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you. It's probably yeah. the plan. The yeah. plan or the culture or the way you're thinking. And exactly. I'm not here to say you never can have goals because I think goals are great. Yeah. But you also can be respectful to yourself. Yeah. As part of the process. So yeah, I love it. If you're struggling, you know, there's, there, there are other ways out there. Absolutely. And that that can be a really empowering process. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I love that. So definitely check out the show notes. We'll have all of the great resources. And again, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 13 as in one three. And I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love, that's all there is. Until next time, take good care.